0: section twenty four of the ego and his own this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. dot the ego and his own by max Stirner. my power my intercourse part one in society the human demand at most can be satisfied while the egoistic must always come short Because it can hardly escape anybody, that the present shows no such living interest in any question as in the social, one has to direct his gaze especially to society. Nay, if the interest felt in it were less passionate and dazzled, people would not so much, in looking at society, lose sight of the individuals in it, and would recognize that a society cannot become new, so long as those who form and constitute it remain the old ones. If, e.g., there was to arise in the Jewish people a society which should spread a new faith over the earth, these apostles could in no case remain Pharisees. As you are, so you present yourself, so you behave toward men, a hypocrite as a hypocrite, a Christian as a Christian. Therefore, the character of a society is determined by the character of its members. They are its creators. So much at least one must perceive, even if one were not willing, to put to the test the concept society itself. Ever far from letting themselves come to their full development and consequence, men have hitherto not been able to found their societies on themselves. Or rather, they have been able only to found societies and to live in societies. The societies were always persons, powerful persons, so-called moral persons, i.e. ghosts, before which the individual had the appropriate wheel in his head, the fear of ghosts. As such ghosts, they may, most suitably, be designated by the respective names people and peoplelet, the people of the patriarchs the people of hellenes etc at the last the people of men mankind and the Carraris, clutes was enthusiastic for the nation of mankind then every subdivision of this people which could and must have its special societies the spanish french people etc within it again classes cities in short all kinds of corporations lastly tapering to the finest point the little people of the family hence instead of saying that the person that walked as ghost in all societies hitherto has been the people there might also have been named the two extremes to wit either mankind or the family both the most natural born eunuchs we choose the word people, because its derivation has been brought into connection with the Greek "peloi," the many or the masses, but still more because national efforts are at present the order of the day, and because even the newest mutineers have not yet shaken off this deceptive person, although, on the other hand, the latter consideration must give the preference to the expression mankind since on all sides they are going in for enthusiasm over mankind. The people, then, mankind or the family, have hitherto, as it seems, played history. No egoistic interest was to come up in these societies, but solely general ones, national or popular interests, class interests, family interests, and general human interests. But who has brought to their fall the peoples who decline, history relates? Who but the egoist, Who was seeking his satisfaction? If once an egoist interest crept in, the society was corrupted and moved towards its dissolution, as Rome, e.g., proves with its highly developed system of private rights or Christianity with the incessantly breaking in rational self-determination, self-consciousness, the autonomy of the spirit, etc. The Christian people has produced two societies, whose duration will keep equal measures with the permanence of that people of these societies, state and church. Can they be called a union of egoists? Do we in them pursue an egoistic, personal, own interest, or do we pursue a popular, i.e. an interest of the Christian people, to wit a state and church interest? Can I and may I be myself in them? May I think and act as I will? May I reveal myself, live myself out, busy myself? Must I not leave untouched the majesty of the state, the sanctity of the church well i may not do so as i will but shall i find in any society such an unmeasured freedom of marrying certainly no accordingly we might be content not a bit it is a different thing whether i rebound from an ego or from a people a generalization there i am my opponent's opponent born his equal here i am a despised opponent bound and under a guardian there i stand man to man here i am a schoolboy who can accomplish nothing against his comrade because the latter has called father and mother to aid and has crept under the apron while i am well scolded as an ill-bred brat and i must not argue there i fight against a bodily enemy here against mankind, against a generalization, against a majesty, against a spook. But to me, no majesty, nothing sacred, is a limit, nothing that I know how to overpower. Only that which I cannot overpower still limits my might, and I of limited might, and temporarily a limited I, not limited by the might outside me but limited by my own still-deficient might, by my own impotence. However, the guard dies, but does not surrender, above all, only a bodily opponent. I dare meet every foreman, whom I can see and measure with mine eye, metal fires my metal for the fight, etc. Many privileges have indeed been cancelled with time. But solely for the sake of the common will, of the state and state will, by no means for the strengthening of me. Vassalage, e.g., was abrogated, only that a single liege lord, the lord of the people, the monarchical power, might be strengthened, vassalage under the one became yet more vigorous thereby. Only in favour of the monarch, be he called prince or law have privileges fallen in france the citizens are not indeed vassals of the king but are instead vassals of the law the charter subordination was retained only the christian state recognized that man cannot serve two masters the lord of the manor and the prince therefore one obtained all the prerogatives now he can again place one above another he can make men in high place but of what concern to me is the common will. will the common will as such is not my will but only the furthest extremity of self denunciation the common will, will may cheer aloud while i must down the state may shine while i starve in what lies the folly of the political liberals but in their opposing the people to the government and talking of people's rights so there is the people going to be of age etc as if one who has no mouth could be wounded only the individual is able to be munded. thus the whole question of the liberty of the press is turned upside down when it is laid claim to as a right of the people it is only a right or better the might of the individual if a people has liberty of the press then i although in the midst of this people have it not a liberty of the people is not my liberty and the liberty of the press as a liberty of the people must have at its side a press law directed against me this must be insisted on all around against the present-day efforts for liberty liberty of the people is not my liberty let us admit these categories liberty of the people and right of the people, e.g. the right of the people that everybody may bear arms. Does one not forfeit such a right? One cannot forfeit his own right, but may well forfeit a right that belongs not to me but to the people. I may be locked up for the sake of the liberty of the people. I may, under sentence, incur the loss of the right to bear arms liberalism appears as the last attempt at the creation of the liberty of the people a liberty of the commune of society of the general of mankind the dream of a humanity a people a commune a society that shall be of age a people cannot be free otherwise than at the individual's expense for it is not the individual that is the main point in this liberty, but the people. The freer the people, the more bound the individual. The Athenian people, precisely at its freest time, created ostracism, banished the atheists, poisoned the most honest thinker. How do they praise Socrates for his conscientiousness, which makes him resist the advice to get away from the dungeon? he is a fool that he concedes to the athenians the right to condemn him therefore it certainly serves him right why then does he remain standing on an equal footing with the athenians why does he not break with them had he known and been able to know what he was he would have conceded to such judges no claim no right that he did not escape was just his weakness his delusion of still having something in common with the athenians or the opinion that he was a member a mere member of this people but he was rather this people itself in person and could only be his own judge there was no judge over him as he himself had really pronounced a public sentence on himself and made it himself worthy of the prightenum he should have stuck to that and as he had uttered no sentence of death against himself should have despised that of the athenians too and escaped but he subordinated himself and recognized in the people his judge he seemed little to himself before the majesty of the people that he subjected himself to might to which alone he could succumb as to a right was treason against himself it was virtue to Christ, who, it is alleged, refrained from using the power over his heavenly legions, the same scrupulness is thereby ascribed by the narrators. Luther did very well and wisely to have the safety of his journey to worms warranted to him in black and white, and Socrates should have known that the Athenians were his enemies, he alone his judge the self-perception of a reign of law, etc., should have given way to the perception that the relation was a relation of might. It was with pettifoggery and intrigues that Greek liberty ended. Why? Because the ordinary Greeks could still less attain that logical conclusion which not even their hero of thought, Socrates, was able to draw. What, then, is pettifoggery? but a way of utilising something established, without doing away with it, I might add, for one's own advantage. But you see, that lies in utilising. Such pettifoggers are the theologians, who rest and force God's word. What would they have to rest if it were not for the established word of God? So those liberals who only shake and rest the established order, They all are perverters, like those perverters of the law. Socrates recognized law, right, the Greeks consistently retained the authority of right and law. If with this recognition they wanted nevertheless to assert their advantage, every one his own, then they had to seek in it perversion of the law or intrigue. El an intruder of genius, Introduces the period of Athenian decay. The Spartan Lysander and others show that intrigue had become universally Greek. Greek law, on which the Greek states rested, had to be perverted and undermined by the egoists within these states, and the states went down that the individuals might become free. The Greek people felt because the individuals cared less for this people than for themselves. In general, all states, constitutions, churches have sunk by the secession of individuals. For the individual is the irreconcilable enemy of every generality, every tie, e.g. every fetter. Yet people fancy to this day that man needs sacred ties, he the deadly enemy of every tie. The history of the world shows that no tie has yet remained unrent shows that man tirelessly defends himself against ties of every sort and yet blinded people think up new ties again and again and think e g that they have arrived at the right one if one puts upon them the tie of a so-called free constitution a beautiful constitutional tie decoration ribbons the ties of confidence do seem gradually to have become somewhat infirm that people have made no further progress than from apron-strings to garters and collars everything sacred is a tie a fetter everything sacred is and must be perverted by the perverters of the law therefore our present time has multitudes of such perverters in all spheres they are preparing the way for the break-up of law for lawlessness Poor athenians who are accused of pettifoggery and sophistry, poor alchabeds, of intrigue. Why, that was just your best point, your first step in freedom. Your Atheus, Herotus, etc., only wanted to have a free Greek people. You were the first to surmise something of your freedom. A people repressed those who tower above its majesty. By ostracism against two powerful citizens, by the inquisition against the heretics of the church, by the inquisition against traitors in the state. For the people is concerned only with its self-assertion. It demands patriotic self-sacrifice from everybody. To it, accordingly, everyone in himself is indifferent and nothing, and it cannot do, not even suffer, what the individual and he alone must do. To wit turn him to account every people every state is unjust towards the egoist as long as there still exists even one institution which the individual may not dissolve the onus and self-apportuance of me is still very remote how can i e g be free when i must bind myself by oath to a constitution a charter a law vow body and soul To my people, how can I be my own when my faculties may develop only as far as they do not disturb the harmony of society? Waitling, the fall of peoples and mankind will invite me to my rise. Listen, even as I am writing this, the bells begin to sound that they may jingle in for tomorrow, the festival of the thousand years' existence of our dear Germany. Sound, sound its cow. you do sound solemn enough as if your tongue was moved by the presentiments that it is giving convoy to a corpse. The German people and German peoples have behind them a history of a thousand years. What a long life! Oh, go to rest, never to rise again, Let all may become free whom you so long have held in fetters. The people is dead up with me o thou my much tormented german people what was thy torment it was the torment of a thought that cannot create itself a body the torment of a walking spirit that dissolves into nothing at every cock crow and yet pines for deliverance and fulfilment in me too thou hast lived long though dear thought though dear spook Already I almost fancied I had found the word of thy deliverance, discovered flesh and bones for the wandering sprint. Then I hear them sound, the bells that usher thee into eternal rest. Then the last hope fades out, then the notes of the last love die away. Then I depart from the desolate house of those who now are dead, and enter at the door of the living one for only he who is alive is in the right farewell thou dream of so many millions farewell thou who hast tyrannized over thy children for a thousand years to-morrow they carry thee to the grave soon thy sister the peoples will follow thee but when they have all followed then mankind is buried and i am my own i am the laughing heir the word society has its origin in the word sal hall if one hall encloses many persons then the hall causes these persons to be in a society they are in society and at most constitute a parlour society by talking in the traditional forms of parlour speech when it comes to real intercourse this is to be regarded as independent of society it may occur or be lacking without altering the nature of what is named society. Those who are in the hall are a society, even as mute persons or when they put each other off solely with empty phrases of courtesy. Intercourse is mutually, it is the action, the commercium of individuals. Society is only community of the hall and even the statues of a museum hall are in society, they are grouped. People are accustomed to say, "They habion ein. This hall in common, but the case is rather than the hall has us in, or in it. So far the natural signification of the word society. In this it comes out that society is not generated by me and you, but by a third factor which makes associations out of us two, and that it is just this third factor that is the creative one, that which creates society, just so a prison society or a prison companionship, those who enjoy the same prison. Here we already hit upon a third factor, fuller of significance than was the merely local one, the hall. Prison no longer means a space only, but a space with express reference to its inhabitants, for it is a prison only through being destined for prisoners, without whom it would be a mere building. What gives a common stamp to those who are gathered in it? Evidently the prison, since it is only by means of the prison that they are prisoners. What, then, determines the manner of life of the prison society? the prison what determines their intercourse the prison too perhaps certainly they can enter upon intercourse only as prisoners i e only so far as the prison laws allow it but that they themselves hold intercourse i with you this the prison cannot bring to pass on the contrary it must have an eye to guarding against such egoistic purely personal intercourse And only as such is it really intercourse between me and you that we jointly execute a job run a machine effectuate anything in general for this a prison will indeed provide but that i forget that i am a prisoner and engage in intercourse with you who likewise disregard it brings danger to the prison and not only cannot be caused by it but must not even be permitted for this reason, the saintly and moral-minded French chamber decides to introduce solitary confinement, and other saints will do the like in order to cut off demoralizing intercourse. Imprisonment is the established and sacred condition to injure which no attempt must be made. The slightest push of that kind is punishable, as is every uprising against the sacred thing by which man is to be charmed and chained. Like the hall, the prison does form a society, a companionship, a communion, e.g. communion of labour, but no intercourse, no reciprocity, no union. On the contrary, every union in the prison bears within it the dangerous seed of a plot, which under favourable circumstances might spring up and bear fruit. Yet one does not usually enter the prison voluntarily, and seldom remains in it voluntarily either, but cherishes the egoistic desire for liberty. Here, therefore, it sooner becomes manifest that personal intercourse is in hostile relations to the prison society, and tends to the dissolution of this very society, this joint incarnation. End of section 24. Recording by Elaine Webb, Bristol, England.